Today, in our Sealed in Christ series, our focus will be, like I said with the girls, at the foot of the cross. The four flames of the Presbyterian cross, or seal, represent different biblical images of fire and light. Fire has a primal power that has fascinated people since the beginning of time. Consequently, it appears in diverse cultures and various religions as an image of the divine. Two of the most familiar biblical references found in sacred seals are the burning bush of Exodus and the tongues of fire from Acts. It was from the fire of the burning bush that God declared to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It was from that same fire that God declared his intention to deliver the people of Israel from Egypt with Moses as their leader. Now, just as, fire, just as the fire of the burning bush is representative of God's sovereignty and presence, it also becomes a symbol of God's Holy Spirit. The book of Acts tells us that on the first Pentecost, divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All were fitted with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. That first Pentecost recorded in Acts marks the birth of the church through the baptism of fire. Although these images are two of the most familiar, there are many. Biblical images of fire range from symbols of God's anger, judgment, sacrifice, and truth, to name just a few. Today's scripture comes to us from the book of Malachi. This Old Testament book is very short, only four chapters. It is very easy to read um, in one sitting, which I would highly recommend. Malachi's imagery of the flame is that of the refiner's fire. The powerful imagery of our loving God purifying and cleansing us with his holy flame. Will you pray with me? Holy God, source of all light, by your word give light to our lives and grant that we may receive it with joy and hope. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord. See I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller soap, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until, until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, 
and as in former years. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. The book of Malachi is considered one of the book of 12 or minor prophets. And fun fact, unlike the other 11, the book of prophecy, this book of prophecy may not be named for a prophet at all. Malachi means my messenger, just as it is heard in our reading today. Because the name Malachi does not appear anywhere else in the whole Hebrew Bible, many biblical scholars believe that for this reason, we should not construe Malachi as a proper name. What is important for us to know today is not the name of the messenger, but the message that God gave him to speak to his covenant people. Malachi's message is to a people returned from exile, settled in a rebuilt temple, involved in renowned worship. But, alas, genuine renewal, says Malachi, is precisely what this people, and especially their priests, are lacking. God's chosen people have profaned him by desecrating the temple with impure and blemished sacrifices and returned to foreign gods by marrying outside of the covenant people. We see God's righteous anger brought on by the faithlessness of his people. Although the book of Malachi is referring to events of the Israelites in the years 515 to 445 BCE, the charges against the people pertain to people everywhere and in every century. We can say that we at times possess flawed integrity and intentions. We fail to adhere to God's commands to build up our neighbors or care for one another and our earth. Sometimes our faithlessness appears in our strongholds, those things that hurt us that we cling to and refuse to turn over to our faithful God. God could even accuse us of dishonorable worship when we focus more on what we get from it than what we offer him. But friends, this much is true. Just like the Israelites, God deeply cares about us, junk and all, and he is moved by our faithlessness. God will refine our faith through the fire of our trials. The fact is, we cannot avoid fiery trials. Jesus tells us this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. One primary purpose of the refiner's fire is to bring to the surface the dross, the internal impurities of our hearts and minds, so that in doing so, he can make us vessels of beauty. 
Have you ever passed judgment or criticized someone for doing something that out loud you have said, well, I could never say that or do that, but you have a thousand times? Perhaps you have experienced a crisis or trial in your life where your reaction was one that later you were embarrassed or even ashamed of. Just when we think that old person of sin is gone, here she comes, rearing her ugly head again. What we need to know is that is part of the refining process. God brings the ugly to the surface and skims it off so he can reveal the beauty. Friends, God will never use his refining fire to shame us. Never. God's spirit of conviction is to set us free, not to condemn. Now I want to take you to a place in scripture where we will see God skim the dross off the surface of one who is at a fire, literally and figuratively. We go now to the place in Scripture where Jesus and the disciples were in the garden when the soldiers came and arrested Jesus. Hear these words from John 18. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now, the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Now we are going to skip ahead a little bit where Peter is still standing there warming himself by the fire. Verses 25 through 27. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, the cock crowed. Now, what just happened here? Christ knew when he called Peter, that Peter was going to do exactly this. He even told him in advance. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. 
Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. Jesus allows Peter to be sifted like wheat, shaken violently so that the dirt and impurities would separate from the good. He allowed a refining fire to be turned up on Peter so that he could teach him something about himself. And so he let the dross that was inside him come to the surface And the very one that said, I would never deny you, was the one who did. Jesus wanted to show Peter what the state of his heart was without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So when the Spirit of God moved in, he would understand he needs him. And look at the vessel of beauty Peter was. Jesus said of Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. God used Peter greatly in the foundation of the church. It was Peter that proclaimed the gospel on the day of Pentecost. And it was Peter who first took the gospel to the Gentiles. Friends, we are each called to yield to God and to be transformed. Some trials are fiery than others. But if we, re- if we surrender to the refiner's holy work in us, we will come forth shining like pure gold and silver. But how can we be sure when his work is done? there was a woman's Bible study group who were studying the book of Malachi. As they were reading chapter 3, they came across verse 3, which states, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. The verse intrigued the women, and they wondered what this statement meant about the character and nature of God. One woman offered to look into the process of refining silver and get back to the group at their next Bible study. That week, she contacted a silversmith and made an appointment to meet with him and to watch him at work. She did not mention anything about the reason of her interest in silver beyond her curiosity about the process of refining it. As she watched the silversmith, he held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. He explained that in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest in order to burn away all the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a way over the fire. Then she thought about that verse again. He sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. He sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire 
the whole time the silver was being refined, never leaving it. The man answered that, yes, he not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he also had to keep his eyes on the silver for the entire time it was being refined in the fire so that the silver could not be destroyed. The woman was silent for a moment. Then she asked the silversmith, How do you know? How do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled at her and answered, Oh, that's easy, when I see my image in it. As hard as fiery trials are, friends, do not resist the refinement. Trust, for your master sits with you in his hand, never taking his loving eyes away from you. Allow the refining fire to transform you. Allow your life to be refined into a beautiful reflection of Jesus Christ. Amen.